Thank you for joining us for another episode of Refuge Podcast. We are in season one looking at the book of Acts. And in this particular part of the book of Acts, we are taking lessons in leadership from the life of the Apostle Paul. So thank you for joining us. If you have a way to do it, pull up a Bible, whether that be paper or digital, join us as we venture through. Thanks. Hey guys, thank you for joining me for Refuge Podcast. I am uh, just eagerly anticipating what God has to say for us today as we look at Acts chapter 27. We've been going through and looking at some leadership lessons from the life of the Apostle Paul and gleaning just so much rich information from watching this guy as he blazed trails during the time in which the church was young and growing and just vibrant and what God had in store for growing the church in the early days. And it's fun just to look back as uh, we're here in 2020 and to see what God did, but also what God wants to do in the life of leaders in the church now um, from gleaning from Paul and and seeing how we can, because, you know, times, times change, cultures change a little bit, but certainly God doesn't change and his methods of working in our lives are, are, are very similar to the way he worked in Paul. So we can glean so much from just watching this guy as we uh, journey through this narrative, but join me in, uh, let's read, uh, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, because Mary Paul keeps, uh, he, he said that he wants to go talk to Caesar. And so that's what they did. They're sending him there. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship, a dramatine, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Aristarchus, a Macedonian, and Thessalonica was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. Remember, he had been a prisoner, and now they're giving him a little bit of freedom here as they're getting ready to set sail. And when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put, he put us on board. And when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Nidius, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Man, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Of course, there's probably money involved, so they did 
didn't want to listen. They wanted to get their their cargo where it needed to go. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southeast and northwest in winter there. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocliden. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Syrtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly temptuous tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this great disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be loss of life among you, but only there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. So Paul says, we're going to crash and it's going to be bad. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Notice these words. This is what was said to him. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that God, that it will be just as it, is, it was told me. However, we must run aground a certain island. Before we read the rest of this chapter, one of the things that I've contemplated many times when I was in leadership in the church was when certain things happen in, in life, in ministry, I would often struggle with the thoughts of, God, why? Why is this happening? This just seems so contrary to your will. And, and many times these, if you want to call it storms, you know, Paul was in the middle of a storm here. Uh, these storms would come and I have to say that most of the time I felt overwhelmed. Uh, and like Paul, I would say, guys, this is what's going to happen if we're not careful. You know, we need to, to watch out or we're going to crash and burn. And oftentimes I would see that. I would see right in front of me that lives were hurt. People were hurt. You know, uh, I felt like my life was going in the wrong direction and felt so much confusion at times over the direction things were going. And, you know, I'll get into these deep thoughts of, you know, God, um, I, I struggle with your will and man's decisions and man's free will and, and different things that would happen and try to uh, reconcile God's sovereignty and and the sin of humanity, the consequences of the choices that were made in the beginning to rebel against God. And I, I would have these thoughts that would collide and try to figure out these things. And, and 
and what I've discovered from reading the scripture and trying to find a balance in how I think about these things is that when you talk about God's sovereignty and his control over everything and also the decisions that man makes, that these are two parallel truths in the Bible. And when we try to cross them over, we that's when we run into these difficulties of how these things are reconciled. And something that's helped me, and I hope this helps you as a leader, as you're wrestling through difficulties, that it is, it is not our job to try and reconcile the challenge of God's sovereignty and man's free will, but yet to take these two things and embrace the things that God has laid out in scripture, that when God, it says that God chooses or predestines somebody to salvation, and yet it calls people to repentance, that we let these two parallel truths be what they are. In the same way, like when we're going through a trial to rest in God's sovereignty and rest in God's providence and rest in God's ways of working to bring us to the place where we need to be and yet make decisions the best that we can in line with God's word and God's will and God's scripture and God's heart. And like Paul say, you know, I I see something here, but yet God's intervening and I see this happening, but God is here. And that's what he explains. And that's what's helped me so much. This chapter in the Bible has helped me so much in how I lead my family, how I lead in the church, how I lead at work, that God is, God is, his hand is here. His hand is in it. And yet I'm trusting you, Lord, that you're going to lead me in your will to make the right decision in the face of this storm. And I don't understand all the pain. I don't understand why my life is where it's at. I had no idea I'd be living in Missouri right now at 41, going on 42 years old with my son lives in another city and my daughter's talking about moving out and all the the things that are happening in my heart. And sometimes these raw emotions come up like, God, I never thought my life would be where it's at. And sometimes I don't sense that. I'm even doing your will. And I know you're here. And I know you're moving. And I know you still have your hand on me and my family. And that you have a plan to work out in our lives. And I just want to be faithful to do what you've called me to do. And I can just, from reading this, I just hear that in Paul's words that to take heart because God is here and it's going to be just the way that he's told me even with all the shipwreck I don't know what you're going through if you have a loved one that you've, is, is far from God or you just feel like man why is life the way it is you know I, I just didn't I never thought it would be here yet God is there God is moving Keep trusting him. Keep serving him. And know that he is sovereign. He's good. And he'll work it out. Now when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about the midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it 
to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Now everybody's crying out to God. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea under the pretense of putting an anchor from the prow, Paul said to centurions and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiffs and let it fall off. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. I love how Paul is resting in the big, awesome, mighty, sovereign hand of God in the midst of tragedy and danger and being scared. I mean, this is such a scary scene, knowing that your ship is about to crash on the open sea, not knowing what's going to happen. Many of these guys probably aren't even believers in the Lord, and yet Paul's bringing hope to them. And that, that's the job of a leader, to stand up in the middle of a storm to say, God is here, God is moving. Even when my emotions tell me otherwise, I know that my God will will get us through this. Even when things feel hopeless and you're so frustrated with your circumstances, God is there and he's moving. And when he had said these things, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. Each one of those souls was important to God. And so when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And then they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore but striking a place where two seas met they ran the ship aground and prows stuck fast and remained immovable but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves and the soldiers plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape but the centurion wanting to save paul kept them for their purpose and commanded that those who could swim would should jump overboard first and get to land and the rest some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Oh, Well, I guess I'm going to conclude with this. In the middle of the storm, Paul took of the, the bread and he gave to those. And he, and he gave thanks to God and gave to those. And they began to eat. In the face of COVID-19, we each have something to be thankful for. And whether we have a little or a lot, it's important that in the middle of whatever we're going through to look up to God, spend time with Him, be grateful, be thankful. And give Him everything in our life. 
not try to hold tighter to things, but say, God, thank you for what you provided, and I'll trust you for the rest. I trust you for the future. I trust you with what's in front of me, even though I might not know what's going to happen. You're good, and you do good. And so let us be people that are thankful, even in the middle of a storm. Thanks for joining me, guys. We are so glad that you joined us today. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can join us for further studying of the word. Have a blessed day.